0: Very happy new year to you all. Welcome back to those of you who have tuned in before, and a very warm welcome to those of you who are maybe new listeners to the New Levels Coaching podcast. Remember, we are the pod that brings the endurance world lots of inspiration, education for you to literally go away and run with it, and that's exactly what we intend to do all the way through 2024. We kick the new year off with some really exciting announcements about the podcast, which we'll share with you in just a minute, and we're going to talk all things new year, new you, or maybe just you upgrading yourself. We're also going to look in detail at those goals you may have, particularly in the short term, as a lot of people eye up the marathon distance. It is around 16 weeks until London Marathon which is the big Spring London Marathon but here in the UK we now have Manchester Marathon which we know a lot of runners take part in and there's lots and lots of marathons on the continent not to mention the big ones in America including Boston which a lot of people have been getting their Boston qualifiers for in 2023. I'm delighted to be joined again by my lovely wife and my other half, Gemma Hillier-Moses, who herself recently ran a marathon in Valencia at the end of 2023, and this week she is going to play partly host. As always, I am your host, Lewis Moses, New Levels coaching founder, but Gemma is very much going to be quizzing me a little bit this week, so the shoe is on the other foot and we will be both going back and forth to each other to make sure we cover everything that you need to know about the marathon and all things coaching. I
1: think I've been on this podcast more than you'd have liked me to, haven't I?
0: Well, when we set it up originally, we did have the discussion around should we do it ourselves or should we bring other guests on? And I think that's a really good place to start because we've just had a, a brilliant meeting in the NLC offices around our plans for 2024. And the podcast came up for discussion, and we were super excited to launch it in 2023. We feel like it's been a huge success. Uh, we've really enjoyed doing the first 16 episodes, I believe it was, and we've done it every single week since we started. And that was the aim to, to produce an episode a week in 2024. We've spoken about maybe spreading that out to every two weeks, so our aim is to do 25 high quality episodes across the year and to bring in some real special guests and allowing us that two week time frame will give us the opportunity to try and pull in some special guests who've not been on the pod before, but also it gives us the opportunity to maybe throw in some hot topics and some special topics from week to week, but it also gives Gemma the opportunity to keep nipping in when she wants to in between those two weekly episodes to make sure that she gets her hit of the new levels coaching podcast as much as our listeners do
1: well we are we are also in a very special studio today so we we don't have the studio in the office because the team are on annual leave which is lovely for them but we are just sat with a cup of tea in our lounge so we do take the the studio elsewhere and this week it is in the Hillier moses household
0: Yeah, it's uh, one of those situations where every negative has a positive. So we couldn't do this in the studio. Like my media team are off for the new year. Uh, I was speaking to Paul just the other day. They're back in the office next week. We're actually we're skiing next week as well. So um, it it ties in quite nicely, the fact that we won't be doing a podcast episode next week. Uh, But we will be back in the studio in two weeks time. And rest assured, all our podcast episodes will come live from the studio. So the audio, audio quality might be down a little bit. That is the negative for this week but the positive is I'm in my slippers and I've got a brew in my hand and we're at home as you say with a Christmas tree light still on which are going to come down later and in the week uh, having reflected on a brilliant 2023 and ready to go into 2024.
1: And because we don't have filming for this one we are currently opposite sides of the sofa speaking to each other looking very comfy and relaxed and ready to talk all things running.
0: Yes, apologies to our viewers on YouTube that you don't get to see our ugly mugs for this week. Um, but we thought it was better to keep the sound quality uh, and to make sure that we delivered the best possible podcast to our listeners. So we have gone with an image, a holding slide over the podcast for our YouTube viewers but hopefully you still enjoy the episode because as people always tell me I have a face for radio so (laughs) it's fitting that uh, you only have an image of us and you don't have to put up with us for a whole episode on your screens. Um, So before we kick on Gemma, before we go into kind of the marathon and maybe look at our goals as well for 2024 because I think it's a really important part to cover. um, What have you been up to? You know, how was was Christmas and the festive period for you?
1: I knew you were going to ask that question. I cannot remember what I did yesterday, let alone two weeks ago. I don't know if anybody else is the same, but yeah, the last two weeks have just flown by. And now we're back into work mode. It feels like it is a distant memory. But had a great Christmas. Was up north in the Midlands in Derbyshire, so lots of travel, lots of seeing people and being around family, which is always amazing. I always enjoy that time, and yeah, just keeping the running going through Christmas. So and then off to off to ski on Saturday. So yeah, I've had a had a great Christmas. I spent the last week with Major Dom's in my quads after some hilly hill sessions and um, a hilly long run in Derbyshire. So that's been interesting. But yeah, how about you,
0: Liz? I really enjoyed Christmas. I was saying to you guys in the meeting today that it's the first time I've put my laptop down and actually not taken it with me um, travel-wise because I felt like we were in a really good position uh, coaching-wise, really good position business-wise. And we have a really strong team that now all chip in, but it was just a nice period of time for people to switch off and relax. And yes, I was checking in the athletes on my phone, but it just felt like a really nice switch off time to be surrounded by family and friends, which is what I love about Christmas. As you know, I absolutely love Christmas I'm not a huge fan of New Year. We very much do our own thing on New Year, but I quite like that tradition now where we find something to do that involves going running in the peaks. And as you said, some hill reps for yourself and James. Um, Hills are very much your super strength. I think it stems from the name Hillier. (laughs) I think that's that's what I'm going to go for anyway. Um, So we're introducing some very steep hill hill reps in there. I wanted to go and test that hill for the first time, and it was a brilliant hill. And I think we're going to use it and make use of it a lot this year in 2024. But for me, it was a quiet new year, a really entertaining and busy Christmas in the right way, spending it with family and friends, lots of fun. And yeah, I just feel refreshed and and ready to go into 2024. I'm excited. Amazing. So um, I'm going to hand the reins over to you I think and kind of pass you the the microphone to, to lead on this. But but before we do, I just want to touch on so, some goals because Jethro walked in today and he, he always goes and gets his little porky bowl from over at Lidl for his lunch and and he joked around, yeah, new New Year same me. You know, everyone's go, coming out with a new year, new me phrase. We touched on that before Christmas. And I'm not a big fan of that because I believe you should always be working on yourself and upgrading. Uh, So I try to put things in place before the new year. But naturally, we do like to set ourselves goals. And it's been a day for us in the office today looking at our business goals. And I spent some time yesterday in one of my sessions looking at my coaching goals and self-development goals as well. So that's been really useful for me. Um, But what about you, Gemma? Have you been thinking about your goals for 2024? And have you set any kind of personal goals, any coaching goals, any running goals that you'd be happy to share? That's such a
1: big question. Um, I think we touched on this on the last podcast, though, around goals, and I spoke quite in detail. So listen back to that one to see my goals in detail. I think, like I said on the previous episode, I do prefer to start them before the new year, so before like the 1st of um, January, because I feel like it, 1st of January puts a lot of pressure to get those goals that you haven't necessarily felt time you haven't necessarily put the time in to think about them so I kind of start the process earlier but I don't think there's anything wrong with starting them now because it's sometimes the end of calendar year is a good point and we've done done a little bit with the business but next year we know we need to start that a little bit earlier as well so you can make some reflections as well but I think um some of my my running goals was around trail running and you know some process goals around technical side of things um work goals is around learning new areas of the business and developing in that side of things um and personal goals really um for me, I don't really know what they are actually, <laughs> so no I haven't got the personal goals
0: This is the thing like yeah. when when somebody <laughs> asks about you know these personal goals and business goals and coaching goals and running goals, it's quite often we don't actually sit down and think about them. And, and I've been quite lucky this year whereby, or not lucky, I guess I've put myself in these situations where I've really forced myself to think about these. And it definitely hasn't made, made a difference. So coming into the new year, and we did speak about it in a previous podcast, so we won't we won't dwell on this too much. But there was one thing I wanted to share with our listeners was We spoke a lot about goals and not setting them on January 1st, but when I had a session yesterday uh, and we were speaking about goals, um, the person in question challenged me and and she said, well, you know, one of your values is around self-development and always learning. So rather than looking at it as, you know, you're setting a goal on January the 3rd, the day it was, why not let's look at this? Well, where would you like to be on January the 3rd in 2025? So let's not look, just look at the short term. How would you like to develop as a person and where would you like to be in that that time frame? And that just really resonated with me because I got it. Got me thinking about okay, yeah. I don't want to stand still. I do want to develop. I do want to go places. Where do I want to be in in one year's time? And that just made things very clear for me. So when people are thinking about things, New Year, New Me, Dry January, Run Every Day in January, maybe don't just think of January. Think of the long term. So what what's the long term goal for you? Why are you doing it? What's the purpose behind it? And then backtrack. And how does that start in January?
1: I think what also from what the question you asked me there and then when I started talking some of it as well is like I shouldn't feel pressured or the need to have goals in work life business everything because that's a lot of goals and sometimes it's okay to just pick one goal like I felt like I had to come up with more goals there whereas running and work are life personal goals as well so I think sometimes it's going if you try and do 10 goals big goals for the year are you really gonna achieve them all or is it better just focus on one and do that one very well because I think that whole what we talk about about the dials in life turning them up and down depending on what you're focusing on if you have 10 goals how are you going to balance that and manage that and you also might have a family you might have lots going on in your life so you may just want to choose one personal goal that works for you and by the end of the year you've really worked towards that and achieved that. And that's really, really good, like having that one goal to focus on. You don't necessarily need five different goals in four different areas of your life.
0: It's definitely, a you know, quality over quantity. Let's mm. say focus on the quality of the goal. I think for me personally, what I respond better to is, you know, the business goals. We have quite a few and I see those as collective goals as a team. Um, whereas myself I, I like to set goals in different areas of of my lifestyle and running falls into that health and fitness does, um, coaching falls into that because that's you know part of my personal development uh, and then there's another area of self-development which is learning French which I continue to do which falls into that so I have different areas and I've worked on that this, this year and worked on it with Stu earlier in the year which was really good to kind of define those areas but like you say maybe just set one goal in each area or even if it's just one goal overall for the year it's a starting point for some people who who maybe don't yeah so there'll be lots of people setting marathon goals. I've already had quite a few calls and discussions with potential athletes who may be coming on at New Levels Coaching because we do have coaching spots available and we're always looking for for new athletes if we feel like they're the right fit to work with us and we're the right fit to help you, of course, on your running journey, then we would love love to do that. And those conversations have already started in the new year because people have got, like I say, Manchester, London, probably the most popular two. And um Yeah, they're also going off abroad and things like that. So people are setting those marathon goals. And I know you wanted to touch on the marathon specifically this week.
1: Yeah, just one thing on that point. If people are interested in coaching, how do they get in touch with us to have a call to be able to talk about their training and their goals and what they want to achieve?
0: I don't know. How do they get in touch with us, (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy? They get in touch with us so they can head over onto our website, youlovescoaching.co.uk, best thing for you to do is to book a discovery call. So we call it a personal best call to see if we can help you find your personal best between 15 minutes and 30 minutes, depending on how long you and I can chat or Jethro can chat. Jethro and I try to speak to every single person that comes on board at New Levels Coaching. The reason for that is we believe coaching is uh, a relationship between the individual who is purchasing the coaching and the coach is going to work with them so we like to get to know the athletes we're going to work with it also helps us to understand if we can help you and you also get a feel for us as coaches and as a business to make sure we're right to help you as well on that journey now you can go on and purchase our coaching plans if you feel like you're the right fit and we're going to be able to help you and particularly if you already know us then that's a really good point you know you can go on the website you can find Uh, the links to those products on there and you can join up through Final Surge which is the coaching platform we use but I would encourage anybody who's new to book a call with us, speak to us directly ask any questions that you may have gives us the chance to get to know you as well and we love chatting running so it gives us an excuse to chat to you more about what goals you have where you are now and if we can help you get there.
1: Perfect so let's deep dive into the marathon so this week, it's 16 weeks to London Marathon, and we know that it's not just London isn't the only spring marathon on the calendar across the UK and the world, um, but the 16 mark is quite a big mark for marathon runners. So what questions I wanted to ask is around, so I'm going to be sat here as somebody preparing for a marathon, and I'm going to be two different types of people. So I'm going to be, the first time I'm going to be someone who has never ran a marathon before. And actually, it's their first time and they just want to get to the finish line. So we'll start with that first.
0: But so, that's, so that's subject one. Subject
1: number one, person number one. But before we go into that, what I wanted to ask you was around the each marathon itself. So for example, if I'm running London compared to Boston, so we talk about courses, course profiles. So before we even deep dive into any of the training, what should we be looking at in terms of those marathons and how they differ?
0: Good question. So firstly, I'm going to take Boston as the example and relate Boston to subject one. So it's very unlikely anybody from the UK would do Boston USA as their first marathon because they have to get a Boston qualifier unless they've managed to get in some some other way, Uh, but very unlikely. So it's really important for people who are new to the sport to look at marathons that they can potentially get entry to and how they're going to get entry in there. Then what you're referring to as a coach is we then need to look at the profile of that course, and every course is different. So we might look at the type of course it is. So is it flat, is it hilly, is it undulating? Um, where do those hills come? Where are the flat sections? Is it a which Boston is? Is it a point to point course? What we mean by that is you start at one point and you end at a different point and you, you run pretty much in a straight line in Boston all the way back into the city. Um, is it a course that starts and finishes in the same place? Is it um, a course that takes you uh, through different parts of the city like London does where you very much explore the whole city and you're gonna run in all different sorts of directions? Does the wind come into play? There's lots of things to factor in when we look at a course profile. And that that's, I'd say, important for coaches but it's also important for the athletes to understand that as well.
1: And that's why I wanted to start off with that question, because I think a lot of runners don't really consider that, but also don't consider that when they're choosing a marathon to run their best marathon. So forget about what is I said, the profiles for the moment, but you have some people wanting to go and run a personal best. So as elite athletes say for example we were running a marathon we would look for the flattest marathon say Valencia or one that we maybe did before that really suits our style of running so I think sometimes it's about kind of looking at the courses that you think suit you as a runner when you're actually deciding your marathon but if you have already decided that it's being aware of that so you can think about that in your training and we'll go into that as well.
0: Yeah I think that applies to any person over any distance as well you know you might be listening here thinking well I'm actually not targeting a marathon just yet Um, but similar if you if you're targeting a 5k or a 10k or you're going to trails or ultra then have a look at the course profile and make sure that one you're not necessarily comfortable with it because sometimes it's good to challenge yourself but if you're looking to run your best performance or your best time then look at a course profile that is more suited to helping that happen or if you want to challenge yourself and do A crazy challenge that involves running up hills, then why not pick a a hilly course for something like an ultra or trail race? But I think it's a part of the selection process that is um, missed out a lot of the time. We did an episode on it last year around picking your races. In fact, you and I did that, that episode, selecting your races. So if you've not listened to that episode, maybe go back and and have a listen because it's really good where we talk about how to select them and what sort of things to look for.
1: Brilliant. So let's go into it's my first marathon. I've not done a marathon before. I'm running, let's choose London as as an example. What things do I need to start considering now? So where I am in my training block, I'm 16 weeks to go. I've done a little bit of running before Christmas, but I'm pretty pretty new to marathons. I just want to get to the finish line. What do I need to start thinking about now and over the next couple of months leading into the marathon?
0: So you've got Obviously, there's so much to think about. The first thing I'm going to say to people who are going to run London Marathon is um, a lot of people get overwhelmed by London because of the sheer size of it. Now, for me, London Marathon is broken into um, three three different races. You've got the elite race at the front, you've got the club or championship race, and you've got the mass race, which is where a lot of charity runners and first-time marathon runners are. So if you're a first-time marathon runner and you are uh, doing London Marathon, you are in with the masses. You are part of the majority. Guess what? You're not part of the minority. So don't worry too much about that because you are one of many. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm going to be out of my depth. I'm doing London Marathon. So many people are going to do it. Well, there's a lot of people in the same position as you. So don't feel like you're out of your depth and you're in this big elite race where it's an elite-only race. It's absolutely not it's about the occasion it's a big celebration london marathon and it is absolutely fantastic the noise is incredible and it's it's a brilliant marathon people a lot of people around the world say it's the best marathon to be part of so you've picked a good one but you've got to start your planning your preparation from right now now i'm going to pick somebody i'm assuming this person it, has not trained before yeah so they they're picking up training for the first time as of january yeah so they don't really have what we'd say a base behind them. So the first thing they're going to need to do is think about how do they build an endurance base or condition themselves. So I would say that falls into two two, um, two parts within that phase. They've got to build an endurance base, an aerobic base, and they've also got to build some form of conditioning base which is related to their strength and conditioning because I think they're both vital when it comes to the marathon. And you've got to start that process. So you've got to create really big foundations to be able to layer on top of that a little bit. But also you've got to start to think about preparation and practice. So things like practice, simple things like um, setting off slower and building into it practicing like you've just got your new watch for Christmas, Gemma, (laughs) and you don't know how to use it, Gemma.
1: Can we share the example?
0: And you go out for a run on Boxing Day and 10 minutes into your run, you're stood in a car park still trying to figure out how to use your watch, Gemma.
1: I'd like to come in with that story though, that actually the person who planned my route actually sent me a a closed route so there wasn't a footpath anyway so I was running around the car park trying to find this route that wasn't actually there so it's, it's never my fault it's your fault
0: but it comes back down comes back to the point planning preparation yeah. is so important so spend some time you know this new fancy watch yes it's great yes it's going to show you a lot of stats but if you know London Marathon you you should know if you've done a bit of research your watch is going to go crazy in London Marathon so you might want to practice running to feel and getting a feel of that as well in those initial phases and understanding that you're going to run at different intensities so there's lots of different things that you can throw into that initial phase and that you should be thinking about I like to break it down into four P's. So you're going to practice things. You're going to have to prepare things like the kit you're going to run in, the nutrition you're going to take on board. You're going to have to plan things. Your planning is essential. This is what we're probably going to talk through, the, the plan up to the marathon. And your pacing is going to be vital not only on race day, it's also vital in training to control the different intensities that we run at. So they're the four P's. Preparation, planning, pacing and practice
1: brilliant okay so next so would that I guess if I've do we want to stay on somebody who's running the marathon for the first time if you wish to <laughs> in terms of what questions they might ask so I'm just having to think about what questions they might ask so when you talk about preparation so that in this phase when you talk about building an endurance base or build doing um, building your foundations what do you mean by that
0: it means a lot of slow aerobic running it's a It's a phase that for me is undervalued. People put too much emphasis and overvalue speed work. They think more intense work is valuable, but let's have a look at the specificity of the marathon can you give me um a target time for this first individual just to give me something to go off
1: it's a five-hour marathon runner
0: so this individual wants to run five-hour marathon now physiologically speaking this was a great learning for me when i sat down with our physiologist and coach dave sheldon who works at birmingham university he's fantastic he's coming on the pod in 2024 we keep mentioning it dave i hope you're listening you're coming on um dave spoke to me about the physiology behind running and being out for five hours is the equivalent of being out for an ultra. You're doing an ultra. Because physiologically speaking, the intensity we can hold for five hours is very different to the intensity somebody at the front end of the marathon can hold for two hours. To, you know, that's the men's, men's world record is now two hours and one minute, Kelvin Kiptum. So physiologically speaking, you're training for an ultra, And the intensity you can maintain for five hours is low aerobic intensity. It's slow running. So the majority of your training should be done in that zone because that's specific to the event you're going to do. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do faster work because you should do that and you should develop that as well. But people overemphasize the importance of speed work and they undervalue the importance of those slow, long runs and just slow, easy runs.
1: And I think the problem is, so say we look at um, your foundations and you're building your endurance base as the bottom of your house, you're building your foundations. If you are new to running marathons and you go straight in with your speed work, say you go to a club during the week and all you're doing is speed work and very little at the bottom, your house is basically going to topple down. And that's going to be a problem for you injury and fatigue wise leading into the marathon because you just won't have those foundations. So you've got nothing to layer on top, have you?
0: You haven't because... The importance of that aerobic work and that endurance work is that there's there's loads, there's multiple benefits, but I'm just going to go top end here, like the biggest ones for me as a coach, what I'm looking for. I'm looking to to build cardiovascular endurance. I'm looking to improve the way we get oxygen into the body and utilize that oxygen. But I'm also looking to improve muscular endurance with slow, easy running. So... If you are getting the the intensity correct, then you are at less of an injury risk, as you've quite rightly said, and you're going to be able to do more of that low-intensity aerobic work, which will build muscular endurance, but it will also help you to build up resistance to fatigue, which we also see in the marathon. So there's loads of benefits of going out and running slow. It's also less impact as well, so speed work, Again, higher risk because higher impact. So collectively, there's all these benefits, but people go, I just want to do the 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 kind of the, what, what would I describe it sexy as? Sexy stuff. Yeah, the sexy, the snazzy stuff. I want to just get my teeth into it. Because a lot of the time, it's easier to go out and do that. Sometimes hard. And people find it hard to slow down. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. He said, it's really hard to slow down. It is. Yeah, it is. But it's a skill. And guess what? You're going to have to do it on a marathon day because the majority of people go out too fast.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And we can touch about talk about pacing. The one thing I would say as well is like, it's also getting used to that talk test that we talk a lot about, but being honest with that talk test. So you can, we've had people in the past who we've done physiology testing with that are like, I'm going really easy. I can talk and actually their lactic levels are really high and they're actually not being really honest with themselves about, yeah, they might be able to talk, but you would know you're working hard here. So some of it's looking at a talk test. And for that easy run zone, you are looking at, at like really conversational pace a bit pretty much like what we're talking about. And then if we look at that RPE scale, so that rate of perceived exertion, we're looking at really low on that scale, like a three to four. And then you want to be able to distinguish between what that feels like and then what kind of interval session but and tempo session feels like. But you do need to have an element of being honest with yourself around how that feels. But if you can really, like, as coaches, we really want to help people to learn to run to field because it can be a really useful tool, especially in the marathon where, you know, I've run London and my watch has been completely off, so like I can't rely on pace on the watch, I just need to be able to rely on how I feel and what that feels like during the race.
0: Yeah, and let's add a bit of context there to the RPE skill. So we're talking about a skill between 0 and 10, not being sitting on the couch, which is what we're doing now where you're not using much energy at all, 10 being max effort, you're putting everything into some form of physical activity. And we're saying easy running and recovery running is somewhere down two, three, four out of 10. It's right down the bottom of that scale. and most people struggle to operate in that area because they're going too fast and we refer to the talk test as you say in that low aerobic zone where you're going out for easy runs and recovery runs you should be at a conversational pace you should be able to have a talk with a friend or training partner or if you're on your own you should be able to sing to yourself Um, but most people confuse that with I should be able to talk well if I'm being honest like myself, I would be able to talk if I'm on a steady run. I'd be able to talk if I'm on a tempo run, which is up at six, seven, eight out of 10. But conversational, like, you will vouch me here, Gemma. If we're on an easy run, the conversation we're having now isn't much different to the conversation we're having on an easy run. We're having a full-on conversation. So what I'd say to our listeners is, there's a difference between able, being able to talk and passing the talk test and being able to have a conversation. And that's where the truth lies in it. I think that's also where the confusion lies in it. People come in and we, we often trial it with people when we're coaching in person. We'll say, can you pa- pass the talk test? Say, yeah, yeah, I can, not yeah. Well, no, actually, we can tell straight away from the way you're breathing, that's a really deep breath. You know, you're struggling to get that oxygen in. There's a lot of science behind that. You're passing out a lot of carbon dioxide. You're trying to get rid of those waste products actually you're in a lot higher zone than you perceive right now
1: and what the awesome thing about this is you can actually slow down not work as hard and get massive amount of benefits like you just spoke to so actually it's a win-win but it's just understanding it and being able to implement it so I think we've spoken about the number one priority I'd say for people running their first first marathon that don't have a big training block behind them is that endurance base and then you talked about your four p's um so let's talk about if if that's everything you want to contribute to that side of things do you want to add anything else
0: i guess it's like how long is that period now some people sat at home will be thinking well i've been running all year we're not talking about those people right now we're talking about people who are just new to running i would say you need in a 16 week block if you're new to running you need at least at least four weeks of that just building a base you know I wouldn't it wouldn't be too unusual for me to work with somebody and say you know what we're not going to touch speed work in that first four weeks we might start to introduce it a little bit with some strides and and certain things but four weeks of good easy running getting you up to some decent volume where I feel comfortable that you're getting used to that easy pace and we can now progress into the next phase
1: yeah and we do, I'm going to say this now because this will be useful to a lot of runners, we do have a marathon workshop coming up in Birmingham where we will deep dive more into this, this these topic areas around everything to do with the marathon and preparation for it at the end of January um, on our Run and Retreats page. So if you are interested in finding out more about how to prepare for your, for your marathon in the best possible way, then check out our, workshop in Bur- our marathon workshop in Birmingham at the end of January.
0: Yeah, we've got one at, uh, mid-Jan, which is London, which is is sold out now. It's really popular, uh, and then we're following that up in Birmingham, and and I will be there. New Levels Coaching provide the coaching on the runner retreats days. That's a workshop. It's a one-day workshop. It's fantastic. We teach you everything you need to know about the marathon. That's very much centered around those four Ps to make sure you're planning everything, you're prepping everything, you've got a plan, and you're working on your person as well.
1: Okay, brilliant. So, like you said, we could talk hours about that what that preparation looks like, but let's move on to person number two, which is um, a sub three hour marathon runner. So who has also got a big block of training behind them. So they've perhaps done a marathon in the autumn, they're gearing towards running their best marathon or a personal best in the spring. And um, they've already done a training block, they've got a good base and foundation behind them. What can they start thinking about moving forward to the marathon?
0: I'm going to use a case study here. Um, Gav, hi, Gav, if you're listening. uh, Gav is somebody that I worked with personally in 2023. Came on looking to run close to three hours. Gav at the time was a a 312, 313 marathon runner, 312, I believe. Um, He actually had London Marathon and then Valencia Marathon. So the first thing I'd say is um, be realistic about your targets. Um, If you're trying to run a sub three, like where are you coming from? So the first thing I always look at is, well, where are you now? And what is the gap you want to close? And is that a realistic gap to close in that period of time? So is 16 weeks enough time for that to happen? Or is it better to have that marathon and then maybe another one in the autumn? Or this was in the winter for for Gav. Um, Gav went 3.05 in London. And then he went sub 3 in Valencia, 2.58. So he took like 14 minutes or so off in total off that marathon PB, which is brilliant. The first thing we did, and Gav's written a brilliant, um, well, it wasn't even a, a blog. It was like a reflection that he sent to us both, which almost brought me to tears reading it. It was, it was lovely to read. And um, he, he even vouches for this. We slowed his easy runs down to nine-minute miles. So he's an example for you if you're listening. Gav averaged in Valencia sort of six—it just inside 650 mile in for the marathon. He was running nine-minute miles on his easy days. Then got a little bit quicker, but nine-minute miles, just, just let that sink in a little bit. Um, so we slowed them down in order to get better quality from some of his sessions and to, to improve his tempo running. Um, what we needed to look at specifically was that Gav had been training before, so he had a bit of a base, which was great. But he needed to be more conditioned. He wasn't doing any strength and conditioning. We added in legs, bums and tums, which he does with you on a a Monday on the live sessions at NLC. He said he was feeling the benefit of those straight away. He came to the running technique workshop in Loughborough, if you remember, in January. We had a look at his running drills. We had a look at some basic strength work that we feel that we could add in. We slowed his easy runs down and we came up with a realistic plan to say, right, in this first phase, we're going to focus on this. These are the things we're going to get right. We're going to get these right first, and then we're going to progress. And then we're going to look at, once we've got, again, those foundations down and we're happy with those, Gav, we're then going to progress them so that we're getting you ready for London. But long-term, it was always longer. It was always thinking long-term for for Valencia. So it wasn't just thinking about the short-term.
1: Yeah, really, really interesting. And I guess it's a, yeah, like you say, one of the key learnings is to slow, slow the runs down. And then what did you look at in terms of, so when we talk about layering, so somebody's got a base, what did you layer into that training on top of that, like developing that aerobic base? So you've got the strength and conditioning side of things and the stretch and mobility, which I know Gav really benefited from as well to look after his body. But then what else was there perhaps that you wouldn't see in say a five hour marathon runner that you may have layered in?
0: The first thing we actually looked at was time, so what what time do you have in the week because we're going to add some things in here that you're not doing, so do you have the time to do that And, um, and how often are you running in the week and I believe any plan should be progressive, whether it's a first time marathon runner or an experienced marathon runner, you should have a progressive plan, a progressive build towards that marathon. So we needed to establish, well, what time do you have now? And what time are you gonna have uh, to play with when we get close to marathon in that big specific marathon block? then with that time we had to look at exactly what you said what are we going to layer in so what do we need to layer in for gav it was it was slowing down those easy runs so allowing himself the time to do those easy runs but also looking at how do we then add in the quality sessions that we feel like we need so we were adding quality sessions in around his work so it was well he could use, he could use the treadmill at work, for example. He might be able to get to the track to do a quality session, but we wanted to keep that quality in there so we could make the most of it. And then one of the big things that we looked at is how to develop that pacing from the easy runs so we could then develop his tempo pace and his threshold pace, which is definitely more important for that level of athlete. So some somebody who's looking to run a sub-three-hour marathon, they're going to do a lot of work at steady, they're going to do a lot of work at threshold and tempo. So we looked at how do we develop that system specifically in order to develop that because what I wanted to do long term was to put that stuff in long runs but you've got to get it right first before you layer it into the long runs. No good just chucking it in a long run and saying go and do marathon pace long runs if you've not even practiced it. So we layered it in with the intention of putting that in further along the block.
1: It's so interesting isn't it that just listening to you you realize that Every runner is different, and every runner, every athlete comes from a different place, no matter what level and ability. And actually, that it's not just a training plan; it's way more than that because all of the different factors around someone's life have to be considered when putting a plan, training plan together, and also changed and monitored as you go. Because I can imagine there were periods of time where you have to kind of be flexible and adapt things and Gav has to adapt things depending you might get ill. So things change going into that marathon box, but you can still achieve a personal best.
0: You've always got to be flexible with the plan. You've got to be willing to switch things up. This is why I'm so passionate about coaching and why I was so passionate about setting up NLC because I believe coaching should be accessible to anyone because I believe it's so valuable. Now I know that not everybody wants a coach and not everybody maybe can afford a coach, their own personal coach. We're working with run through currently to try and create different types of plans where people can access plans, which also gives them access to coaching, which is fantastic. We're always looking at ways in which we can develop as a company. But the reason I'm so passionate about it, because I'm sat here talking now thinking, just have a think about how much thought and time goes into this one plan. Now, you as a runner have to do this yourself and you probably don't have the foggiest idea of how to do it because you've never done it yourself before. You've not had to go through that coaching journey, that learning journey. We've got the experience of doing it. I think all of our coaching team have combined experience of over 200 years of coaching, like combined, which is incredible. So we collectively pull that knowledge together and we plan this for people. And I sometimes stand on the marathon sideline and think it's quite impressive how people get themselves there and get themselves round a marathon with no clue of how to plan their training. They just wing it. But what I will say is the majority, not everyone, the majority of people who come on board with coaching support get success. Not because we're awesome coaches, which our coaching team is awesome. It's because all of a sudden they have structure. They have accountability. They have headspace to do the training, but they're getting the right coaching. A lot of the time, coaching isn't rocket science but it does take time. It's trial and error. And we've made a lot of mistakes to then put right so we know what works. But as you say, it's very, very individual. And that's what it comes down to, working with individuals to find out what's right for them to get them the right results on the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think sticking with the kind of um, sub three-hour marathon runner, it's also very easy. So like social media, articles, blogs, it's very easy for that runner to look and read around what the elite athletes are doing, special blocks, Canova's way of training. And actually, like, this is when you realise you can just absorb all of that and be leading yourself, like, start doing those special block trainings into marathons, all this stuff that your body can't really cope for and it. it's going to end up in disaster, but it's because you read that that's what the elites do, whereas they're, you know, they're used to the mileage, they're used to that um, sort of way of training, they have recovery, they have their full-time athletes. So you can see why, again, just to kind of um, highlight your point, how important it is to have that sensible guidance because you could jump into a lot of training that's not right for you if you if you don't have somebody to give you that advice.
0: Especially with social media because you can go on social media and you can pick up like one session here, some advice there. Um, you can go and look at, like you say, marathon special blocks, marathon-specific sessions and think, right, I'll take that, I'll take that. And naturally what we do is we pick the best bits, and we miss out the simple stuff. And again, back to that point of the sexy stuff, you only usually see the sexy stuff on social media. You don't see the basics. You don't see people documenting how well they've slept. You don't see people putting their feet up on the sofa, relaxing. Not often, you see the hard work, the the sexy sessions, the big tempos, the big long runs, you know. So I think it's really important, it's a really important point you make to not get caught up in what everybody else is doing with this Strava culture now where you can compare yourself to everybody also, if it's your first marathon, you might be doing that with like friends or other people and they might think, oh, well, so-and-so I'm doing it with is doing this. so I'm going to do that as well. Like they might be at a different point to you. They might have run a marathon before. Like it's really important to recognize that it's your journey and that we're all going to have different training needs. The time, the lifestyle all has to be factored in. So it's a, it's about finding the right balance for you. Um, and not really trying to overdo it because part, I think one of the biggest challenges for me as a coach and seeing it from the athlete's perspective is the challenge is getting to the marathon start line, fit healthy in a position to go out there and give it your all. So many people fall at the first hurdle and don't actually get there because they overdo it or they didn't know what they were doing and they under train and they they then frightened of actually having a go at the marathon. So I think it's really, really important to make sure you try and enjoy the process, get yourself to that start line, give yourself a chance and make sure you're as prepared as you can be to run your best marathon.
1: So before we wrap this podcast up and this episode, I want to ask you, we will, because we will come back to this, so in future weeks leading into the marathon, we've still got 16 weeks to London, um, you know, similar to Manchester. But what I want to talk about, because I think it's important to get into marathon runners heads now is around pacing and that negative split and also learning to do that in training can you talk us uh, like can you talk about why that's important in the marathon and where people go wrong
0: there's a really good episode pre-christmas that i did with sonia samuels who ran really well in uh, valencia who's sonia's one of our coaches at nlc She had a brilliant race in in Valencia. I think she ran a second fastest ever marathon and we spoke a little bit about pacing on that episode. Now I'd encourage anybody to go back and listen to that episode too because Sonia spoke about the more specific training for the marathon as you get closer to the marathon because at that point in time we were like a week or two out from Valencia Um, but she also spoke about pacing and how she'd learned what's usually right for her in terms of pacing. Now For the elites, what we know is that the majority of the world records that have been set over the past, well, decade, if not longer, the majority of those world records, if not all of them, have been run as a negative split. Now, what I take from that, from a coaching point of view, is that that's the best way to run a marathon because if people are constantly running world records that way, then that is the best way to run that distance. In the same way, if we flip it on its head, they once analysed how the world records were ran for an 800 metres and it's the opposite. They go out faster on the first lap and then the second lap is, I can't remember what it was, it was something like 1.3 seconds slower on average than the first lap. So again, from a coaching point of view, we would look at that and go, okay, well, we're not looking to negative split in 800 because we know that that's not statistically how you run that event in the best way. But then what's really interesting in the marathon, if you delve deeper, it's one of the few events where you get a lot of stats from the masses because a lot of the stats from the big race organisers do come from the mass race. And you see a trend and the trend is the majority of the field slow down massively and people refer to it as hitting the wall. Now, I refer to it as piss-poor pacing or under-fueling. Let's just put it bluntly. That's exactly what it is. People get their pacing right or they don't fuel adequately. And they're usually, well, they are linked as well. If you run too hard, you're going to burn fuel quicker. You're going to run out of fuel. So it comes back to preparation, planning, pacing, and practicing all those things in training. But if you go off too fast, I use the analogy a lot, is People think they're banking the time. Oh, I'm going to bank the time. I'm going to get ahead of schedule. Like, great. I'll be ahead of schedule. I have loads of time in the bank so I can slow down. Like, it's the worst strategy you can take into a marathon. The reason for that, you've got to, you've got to look at it slightly differently. What you're doing is you're borrowing time and you're going to pay that time back with interest. Because if you go above that red line, if you borrow too much, if you go into that overdraft, then the only way that you can potentially finish the marathon is to slow down or to stop, to try and recover. And that is not what you want to do in a marathon. But also, if you're going faster, you're putting more, again, strain through the joints and the muscles, muscle fatigue is greater, potential to cramp, and all those sort of things that we also see. So you've got to view it slightly differently. And the majority of people who we coach who run a negative split, which means you run a faster second half than the first half, all come back with the same saying, oh my God, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Why has nobody told me to run a marathon like that before? Because you're passing people, you're enjoying the experience. Yes, it still gets hard, we're not saying it doesn't, but it tends to get hard in that like last 10K when you're really racing. But there is a saying, and I believe it to be true, and it's, it's so relevant to everybody who runs the, the marathon distance, the marathon starts at 20 miles. Halfway point is is not halfway. It's 20 miles. Get through that 20 miles feeling like you're still in control. Not feeling good. I don't think you necessarily feel good. But you feel in control and you can then start to race. If you're not feeling in control by halfway, your marathon's done.
1: And still at 20 miles, you've got six miles left to go. So if you're hanging or you're done at 20, you're screwed. You're not getting... Quick to that finish line,
0: and let's put that in perspective for the two subjects who we've we've spoken about. So for for Gav in um, Valencia, we were looking at around about uh, I believe twenty three minutes every five k, somewhere around there. I can't remember the exact numbers. What were we looking for for you every five k? Can you remember the splits oh that we gave you?
1: Now you're asking me. Uh, four minute k's. So twenty.
0: 20 minutes so we're looking (laughs) i thought i
1: got that wrong there (laughs) so we're
0: looking for 20 minutes so actually no for gav it is more like 21:30 to 22 minutes i believe yeah somewhere around there so that's a sub three hour roughly around there um so we've got that calculation every every 5k so we're talking about the last 10k of the marathon here so we're saying even at sub three hour pace you've still got over 40 minutes worth of running 40 minutes worth of running it's a lot of running but let's take subject number one, it was, right back at the start. First time marathon runner aiming for a five-hour marathon. Well, guess what? You've got over an hour left, well over an hour left out on that road. Like, that is a long, long time. Mm. And you've got 10K left of 42K. So you've got almost a quarter of your race still to go. It's a long time to be out there on your feet. So. There's a lot still can go wrong now. Backtrack to halfway 21k. You've done 21k, you've got another 21k to go. And if you're looking at five hours, that's another two and a half hours. You've still got to be out there on the road. So if you're already feeling like you're a little bit gassed, two and a half hours is a long time. That's the same as the elites being out there from the start to the finish. So it's so so important. So
1: don't be a half marathon hero in the marathon.
0: And I think. The problem is with people who've not ran the marathon distance. And I've ran the marathon distance three or four times now. Um, I've done it once on the road in COVID. I've done it once in an actual marathon in, in Manchester when I was pacing. I've done it a trail marathon as well at the, the peaks. And I've done it again in training on the trails when it wasn't an official race. So two official, one trail, one road, two two in training. Now, With all of those experiences, I've learned something different. So for people who are new to the marathon, you're gonna learn something. Um, But what I'm telling you is, we've already learned those things for you, so please, please listen to us when we say, this pacing is so essential. Because I got my pacing slightly wrong in the trail marathon, which led to cramps. It was a hot day as well, my fueling was probably a little bit wrong. But it definitely was related to pacing too. Um, It meant my body couldn't cope. I started cramping. It made it really difficult for the last six miles. My pacing for the one in Manchester was a lot better and it meant that I could could finish stronger Uh, and the pacing for the one on the roads here in training was exactly the same. So I've learned over time, but I'd listened to people and I think the, the misconception here or the biggest dilemma is that it feels easy. It feels super easy. And people often say to you, when they've gone too fast, yeah, but it felt easy. And I'm like, yeah, it's really meant to feel easy. And it's meant to feel easy for quite a long time. Um, if it feels hard, you're clearly doing something wrong. But the question comes back always, how easy is easy? And that's where it comes back to this training cycle, right back to the start. You've got to get it nailed down in training. Like if, you, if you're going out for runs, be honest with yourself, right now, it's January the 4th today. If you're going out on an easy run and you can't sustain the pace that you're running around the streets for five to six hours, you are not running easy. Like that is as simple as that. So if you're going out tonight and or tomorrow, whenever you listen to this podcast and, you couldn't, and you're and you on an easy run and you couldn't sustain this pace for another four or five hours, you're not running easy. And And the proof will be in the pudding on marathon day. So get it right now. You'll get it right on marathon day.
1: So that comes down to learning how to run to feel and getting in tune with your body, practicing it over and over again, whether that's in easy runs or marathon pace sessions, that type of thing, but also preparing your mind to be patient on the day of the marathon. I think that's. That's part of it as well, your mindset about being patient and relaxed and telling yourself to hold back because your mind will take you, like your mind will get competitive. It will want to go quicker, it wanna race somebody next to you. And you've got to run your own race. And I think that's also super
0: important. We've not even really touched on mindset, which is so important. Mm. And like you say, sitting in your lane and all that sort of thing. Um, but and linked to that as well, is like right at the start of the training block, being patient with with the training, not wanting to do too much too soon, that, again, links the marathon day, not wanting to go too fast too soon. It's all interlinked. Uh, and I think I had another point there, which I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought on. Oh, it was around, you know, not being afraid to run walk as well in your training plan for those people who are maybe new to the marathon, thinking about the jeffing strategy, which comes from Jeff Galloway. So if you're struggling to run easy, it might be actually to get your low aerobic work, you need to introduce a run walk method the the Jeffin method where you run for a little bit and then you walk and you break that down again you can learn that and there's people who've had a lot of success with that on marathon day as well doing that as an actual strategy.
1: Well last year's marathon workshop we were talking about the Jeffin technique and saying how then you can keep that easy run zone especially for your like four hours to six hour plus marathon runners and one of the ladies on the workshop um, said that she ran a four hour and I think four hour and nine minute marathon um from Jeffing. And you know that most people around the four hour marathon want to run it. They're, one of their goals is to run the whole thing. But actually she ran for nine minutes, walked for 30 seconds. And she said it was really effective to keep in the right zone and she managed it really well. So it shows how sometimes you need to change your perception of what you think running a marathon actually is. And actually you can get better results by keeping in the right zone and also the body doesn't fatigue as much that way as well because you've got those walking breaks, so it enables you to be stronger for longer as well.
0: It also changes the demand on the muscle groups. Walking slightly changes which muscles we use, so again, you may be less likely to get that muscular fatigue. It helps to regulate the heart rate because the heart rate rises in the nine minutes that that, that strategy was using. It doesn't matter what type, uh, what duration it is, It's the same. it's the same protocol, same procedure. The heart rate then drops slightly in the walk, so it helps to regulate the heart rate. stops you going too hard. Um, some people actually enjoy breaking it up that way. Something to think about. It's something to uh, time maybe with your gels as well. You can introduce walks when, you, when you're refueling. Um, but I would say if you look at it for a recovery activity too, if we go right back and say people are going to run three times a week and they might be run walking to start off with, well, what are you doing with your other four days a week? Well, maybe on a recovery day, you could be going out for a walk, which is another low intensity aerobic activity that people underestimate. So it's a way of increasing your volume, getting yourself more conditioned, still specific to what you're doing, but actually takes a lot of pressure off the joints, the bones and muscles by, by going out there and just doing a walk, maybe a recovery walk. And that, that's maybe where you start. But I'd say don't underestimate the importance of that. Uh, and especially if you enjoy it, it's also good good for the mind as well.
1: Gosh, I think we could talk all day about the marathon. But, uh, do you know, actually having this conversation shows sometimes we as coaches underestimate how much of our thought process goes into planning somebody's marathon journey and the lead up into it. And we're only at the beginning here. And I think we've talked about a lot of the important things and elements that people can consider right now. Um, and we probably will do podcasts nearer leading into the marathon. So that that preparation as you get closer. Um, but I think it's been a really good conversation. Hopefully people have been able to take a lot from it um, when they're starting their marathon journey.
0: Yeah, th- thanks for joining us, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It re- reminds me how passionate we are about the, the coaching process. But like Gemma said, how much time goes into this planning. Um, it's never an exact science. Coaching is far from that. It's about trial and error and learning and it's, as I said right at the start, it's about building relationships with those people you work with and a big thanks to everybody we've always worked with to help us learn along our coaching journey because um, we get the chance to work with athletes of all abilities from first-time marathon runners right the way through to elite level runners who are competing at the front end of these, these major marathons as well. And you learn something different from every single individual that you work with. And that, for me, upskills us as coaches and makes us brilliant coaches because we learn how to work with different individuals who are different stages with their running. And I know it's the same across the board at New Levels Coaching, whether that's our triathlon coaches, whether it's coaches who are helping people to duathlon or or to running, it's always the same. So we're passionate about learning and we learn from you. So we're hoping that you're enjoying this the, the podcast episode we're producing and hopefully you marathon runners have got something from that that you can take forward with you into your marathon season in the spring or or maybe the autumn this year as well.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Lee.
0: Thanks for joining me again, Gemma. We'll be back uh, in the coming weeks. As I said, next week we are skiing in the French Alps. It is my birthday. Uh, we go away for my birthday every year. So we'll be back the next week. We'll be back in the studio. Hopefully you'll be tuning in to join us. And as I said right at the start, we're going to bring you guaranteed 25 episodes this year in total. That is our aim for the New Novels Coaching Podcast. And as always, we aim to provide you with lots of inspiration and education education so you can take that away and run with it. See you all again very soon.